Hey, 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 everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Talk Cash or Don't Speak podcast. I'm your host, John Odebo, also known as Johnny Debs. Hope you're ready for today's episode. Let's get it. People, you are tuned into a rant-style personal finance podcast. If you're looking for someone to get in your face about personal finance and investing topics, I'm definitely your guy. The motto on this show is talk cash or don't speak. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. We have Mason Gomez, aka the budget teacher, working on the podcast with us today. Super happy to have you, Mason, coming live out of Canada uh the the cousins from up north how are you doing i'm doing great man how about yourself oh i'm i'm good i'm good i'm i'm chilling in here i uh doing my best to hang in there and uh looking forward to chatting with you we had a really good conversation the other day and Mm -hmm. looking forward to presenting some findings and and just uh having some good conversation for the uh, audience to listen to here love it yeah so I guess just to kind of kick things off, uh, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit of, of your background, uh, maybe, you know, for the audience and how you got into personal finance. So everybody, Mason can be found at budget, it's budget.teacher, right? On Instagram? Uh, on Instagram, it's just at budget teacher. I think my Twitter has an underscore in there somewhere because okay. somebody else already took it. <laughs> the nerve. How dare they? I know it. <laughs> Uh, awesome. So, I mean, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into personal finance and, uh, you know, what's, what's kind of been your experience so far? Well, um, I guess, uh, you know, trying to summarize my whole life here so far, uh, essentially, you know, I grew up in a middle income household. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my experience growing up was, you know, we were, my family was pretty good with money. Uh, we didn't really lack too, too much, at least when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always like a really good saver. Awesome. Um, wh- what I was saving for, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> game maybe, but uh, it was just that mindset, just save your money for the future, whatever, whatever that was. Um, uh, you know, did some jobs growing up, uh, getting to my teen years, um, you know, had some part-time jobs and stuff like that in high school. I would say I got a little bit worse with my money as I, uh, was given some more freedom, okay. you know, in high school, going out and going to the mall and the movies and, you know, yeah. doing all sorts of stuff with your friends. Um, and then jumped to university. I had a little bit of money saved up, mm-hmm. um, but not enough to pay for my first year. So I had to take a, a loan. Okay. Um, and uh, where I am in Canada, I'm in Ontario. So we have what's called OSAP. So that's okay. uh, an Ontario student assistance program. So okay. I had to take that loan. And, um, so I used some of my money to finance my first year and then a, a portion of that loan. And I think at the end of my first year, I owed like $8,500. And I was, mm-hmm. that was like, whoa, yeah. I have four more years of university still. And uh-huh. I already owe like almost 10 grand. So I was like, I got to, yeah. I got to do something about, about that. So um, ever since kind of that year, I, was always looking for ways to grind, whether it was like in the summer in between, you know, semesters or during university semesters. So at any given time, I had about two or three 
jobs on the go and awesome. always trying to like make more money and, and yeah. pay down. By the time I finished, I graduated with, with no debt and I was able to pay off that, Ooh. that loan. And then it's kind of snowballed from there. So, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yes. So, so side hustling was kind of, you, you, it was just a means to an end. Like you were already kind of doing it, do, working one or two jobs without even realizing again, saving what for, right. But yeah. at the same time yeah. it came in handy. Absolutely. Yeah. Side hustling before I think the term was even a thing. Or it was cool. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, now that, that, uh, what was OWASP? OWASP? OSAP. OSAP. Okay. Yeah. That reminds, it sounds a little bit like, uh, maybe like FAFSA which is what we have here okay. in the U S um, it's like federal aid assistance, student loans. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But so you ended up graduating with no debt because you were able to pay it right. off through the side jobs. So was all of your money going to debt? Were you still able to kind of have some leftover and, and enjoy, enjoy your, your college years, your university years, or was it, um, you know, was it, was it just kind of grinding to, to pay the bills there? Um, I, I would say a bit of both there for sure. Like I, a good chunk of my money went towards paying school, but I always had enough to, you know, go out and, uh, get the food I wanted at the grocery store yeah. and, uh, go out with friends when I wanted to. Now, with okay. that being said, I wasn't going out and partying like multiple nights a uh -huh. week, like most people do. Um, if I did go out, it was like maybe once a week yeah but i'm also like that it's just not me i was never uh -huh. really a big partier um and then uh yeah by the time i graduated i i don't remember exactly how much i had but i i had enough to like buy like a nice used car okay so i went out and bought a car in cash and then um i started i had a little bit left over to start like saving up for my uh, for like a down payment for a house like that was my next goal yeah so i had a bit of a cushion there yeah i love that that's i uh i what i hear there because i think one of the biggest differences maybe is the fact that you're like yeah i wasn't really going out to party too much but i never had to really make sacrifices i could i could go out and shop and get what i wanted i could go out and and go hang out with my friends if i wanted to um but you know what the biggest thing that just stood out to me there is when you bought the used car when you graduated school you'd saved up some money for that for that um, you're able to save up some money for the down payment. So it's a it's a series of progressive correct decisions. And yeah. I think sometimes getting yourself in a good position as you're in your mid and late 20s is sure. as easy as just making one or two right decisions versus maybe signing up for a bigger car loan that then you're paying off a $30,000 car loan. And then that affects your ability to save up for the house. Um, absolutely that's, yeah. yeah that's it's kind of interesting really, to me that like one little change or one one or two little steps along the way kind of set you up in the right path yeah i think it's um it has that snowball effect whether it's bad yeah. or good right it can kind of go either way there so uh, I, I will add though that uh uh i did sacrifice in some things i kind of i kind of forget it now but for uh, when we had our student, <clears throat> our student housing, I ran in with a few friends uh -huh. and I remember, you know, we went through and toured the house and uh, <laughs> they were like, uh, my buddies were like, Hey, well you found the house. So like, we'll let you have first dibs. Like which bedroom do you want? Yeah. And they're all assuming I was going to take like the nicest one. Uh -huh. um, but I was like, mm -hmm. no, I want the smallest, tiniest bedroom in the house. And I sort like my bedroom, you know how you have like the, the length of your bed from head to toe mine yeah. like wedged into the wall and that was like <laughs> that, 
a little bit longer, but it was kind yeah. of like a, it was really like a, a big closet, Oof. probably to some people. Um, but it was the cheapest room in the house. So okay. I I did make some sacrifices, um, like on purpose for sure. Yeah. So that was that was kind of worth it for you then, right? Like that like coming home, you're like, I still have a bed to sleep on. It's just not the biggest room. I don't need the extra space, but that extra couple exactly. hundred dollars or so in rent difference, again, kind of made the difference for you. Um, for sure. And that was over four years. Like I was at that house for four years, right? So you okay. can math. Yeah. yeah. I can compile pretty quickly right there. For sure. And then, so bringing us out of college into your career, you are a teacher now, fifth or sixth, fifth, fifth and sixth grade, right? Uh, yeah. Grades five and six. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What uh what made you want to get into teaching? And and again, I, I think we kind of talked about this, but like I don't necessarily think teachers are super uh progressive in terms of like money all the time. Oftentimes <clears throat> it's I think it's like a passion job, right? Which is great because sure. we need those. We need certain jobs where it's not like a super high earning job, but to have the the backbone that is strong in personal finance, I think means all the more when you're in a job like teaching, um, where you can kind of mix your passion and, and have a little pragmatism two for sure for sure um yeah like i um where did i i think you know like growing up i i always kind of you know i just enjoy being around kids like i, mm -hmm. I think they're hilarious <laughs> <laughs> they they you know they bring uh an energy that you know that adults we i guess we lose as we as we yeah, age that's fair um so yeah i've always enjoyed it and i think um, I've always wanted to do something where I'm like being in service or, or helping in, in a way. So, um, I think I kind of figured it out by the time I was like at the end of high school, I was like, yeah, I, you know, teaching seems like a good gig. Seems like I'd some, something I would do well at. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like the program I signed up for in university was, uh, was a concurrent ed program. So basically you did your, your, like your bachelor's undergrad and yeah. then your, like your teacher's college at the same time. So it was, it was pretty much like right away. Okay. Yeah. And so, and then how'd you get into creating personal finance content online? What, what made you create the the budget teacher account? Uh, passion project, honestly, like I said, I've always kind of been interested in just, uh, you know, doing the right things for myself, okay. uh, just, you know, for, for my own well being, And, um, and I was like, you know, I think it came to a point where I, I wanted to talk about this stuff so much and like I didn't have an outlet, right? So I talked to my friends and, and family and stuff. And I think, you know, after a while, it's just like a broken record. Like, oh my yes. God, like, how much are you going to talk about this? Like, really? Like, can we talk about something else? But I, I just can't help it. Like, I'm so passionate about about this. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I I kind of reflected on my journey. I was like, I feel like I have a lot to say and I have a lot to share that could yeah. actually help people. Um, so yeah, so then I just was like, you know what, I'm going to start this Instagram account okay. and try to post every day and we'll just see what happens. You know what? That's super relatable right there. Uh, very similar situation for myself where I think yeah. my friends are just sick of me reaming them out for bad decisions. So they're like, you should start a podcast. Looking back on that, the way you just said that now, I'm like, what if they just wanted me to not talk to them anymore about it? Yeah. <laughs> like what if they're like, all right, someone out there's gotta someone else has gotta listen to this this crap. I'm sick of it. <laughs> Worked out though, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. hey, I think so, right? And I think, like you mentioned, the broken record, a lot of personal finance is again making the right steps, doing the right things. And a lot of people know what they are. But 
it's hard. It's hard to choose yeah. the right thing every single day. Sure. It's hard to avoid that meal out if it's not in your budget. And yeah. so I, that's, that's kind of where like my tone came into. And I wanted to make the podcast a little different where I'm, I'm basically telling people like, you're not going to get ahead if, unless you take this seriously now. So, <laughs> cause yeah. there's so much information out there, but it's presented in such a manner where it almost coddles people. And it makes them feel like it's a, it's okay if I don't do the right thing this month, but like the snow, the snowfall or the snow, uh, snowball effect there, like you mentioned, yeah. little changes make a big difference over time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think, um, you know, in personal finance, we talk about um, how, you know, your money compounds, right, uh, over time. And it's the those those little changes that kind of, you know, snowball and, yeah. and they escalate as as the years goes on, uh, years go on. But um, it's the same thing with your your habits, too. Um, yeah. And that I think that applies to anything, right, like weightlifting or, or dieting or personal finance. Right. Same thing. Absolutely. Do you, do you find any like key habits of yours that stand out that when people ask you like, all right, cool. Like maybe I don't want to follow your social media account or maybe I'll, I'll pay attention, but like, what could you just tell me right now that could make me better with my money? Do you have any like go-to tips that you think either make you really different or that you think most yeah. people just could benefit from? Uh, yeah. I don't know about making me different. I feel like uh, people who who are, I guess, good with their money for lack of a better word, kind of, we kind of have similar strategies, but things mm -hmm. that I tell people generally are, um, so to, you know, automate things as much as you can and make sure you're, you're paying yourself for, uh, first, which I wish I did earlier sure. uh, when it comes to investments, but, um, uh, making sure that you're setting aside, you know, however much money it is you want to start with, whether it's 20 bucks or 200 or 2000, and making sure that you're you're contributing to your savings and investments uh, before other things. Um, and the second thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that for me would be to you know track your spending. If you don't track things, it's very difficult to to change them. So whether or not you want to get like you want to be tracking every dollar and cent um, with like a zero based budget, or you want to use more like a 50, 30, 20 kind of percentage split. Yeah. Um, I think tracking is important. I love it. I, uh, I think the 50, 30, 20 is, split is good for people because it's just easier to follow the easier and more simplistic. You can make something, the yeah. more likely your people are to follow it, right? 50% towards expenses, 30% to, I think it's 30% towards saving and then 20 towards investing. Correct. It kind of depends on what people want to do. Oh, I think yeah. the what people usually have is 30% on your, your wants or variable and 20% yeah. on, on savings. But I think it's better to have that flipped if you can. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally messed that up there, but I, I also think I I'm with you where like, depending on where you are in life, if you're playing catch up, then definitely prioritize the 30% towards your, your saving and investing. Cause that, you're sure. kind of in a hole. You're, you're, you're playing catch up. Right. Um, or, you know, people, people will stick with the idea that, you know, 30% towards your wants and uh, versus needs and everything, because then you can enjoy life and maybe stick to the rest of the budget. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You got to find the the solution that works best for you. Right. And that yeah. comes to, again, tracking things and, and running the numbers and uh, just being realistic. Absolutely. So, I mean, that idea brings up a point here, being realistic do you, you're, I mean, you're, you're teaching fifth graders and sixth graders, right? So that's what, not nine-year-olds or uh, uh, 11 like the, so. about a, like 11. Yeah. 
Um, do you try to introduce any financial education to the classroom? Do you think it's just, again, not realistic to maybe a little too early for them to kind of take in that information? And yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of, you know what, it kind of depends on, it depends on the class that I have. So some years, um, like you have to kind of gauge what the kids already know. Okay. Um, so I've had a couple years where kids like they, they don't know much at all. Yeah. Um, so you really got to start with <clears throat> some really basic things, right. About, you know, spending money and saving money and kind of really start there. Um, but there, you know, I had a class one or two years ago where there were quite a few kids who were able to grasp the concept of investing and like compound, um, interest. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends on, on where they're at. Um, and again, like I try to think back, like, when I was in grade five, like, yeah. was I really interested in listening to my teacher right. talk about like budgeting? Like I was like wanting to, I don't know, go outside and play or like watch movies or read comic sure. books. And stuff, right. So it is, there's kind of a balance to, to try to find there. I, I agree. I think you can't even like sitting kids into a classroom or, you know, sitting them at home and making them watch like personal finance videos on YouTube. Is that even what kids should be doing? Right. Like yeah. <laughs> putting the stress of thinking about money on like a fifth, sixth grader, you could kind of argue that that's almost counterproductive and might sour their relationship with money because sure. they were like forced to think about it. Whereas being free, being a, being a young kid, going outside and playing, having fun, that, that innocence that kind of yeah. washes away as you, <laughs> as you become an adult, uh, yeah. you could argue that it's almost worth it to try to preserve that for as, sure. as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I think it goes back to, um, you know, who, who the kit is, right. If yeah. they have an interest in it, then by all means, you know, you can kind of push that and, yeah. and see where it goes. And if they're not interested in maybe trying to find ways that are a little more simple, that can kind of, you know, engage, whether it's like trying to get them in the habit of saving up money to buy a, I don't know, a video game or a toy that they want. Right. I, I love that. Exactly. Right there. I think maybe that's something that parents can do. And, and then like teaching kids to save up for something is maybe sure. the easiest way that you could introduce some, some finance uh, education into the, yeah. into the childhood. Maybe. So maybe like, yeah. Go ahead. I've heard of people even taking away taxes. Like I, or yeah. I've never <laughs> seen this as a parent. I'm not a yeah. parent obviously, but I've, I've heard of people saying that they want to, pay their kids $10 and then maybe take two back in taxes so that you can teach them. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Again, it's another idea. Uh, I I would wonder if the kids would just be like, you're just taking my money back. Like, I don't know, but Hey, that's what it does. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like that idea. I mean, I think I would, I would try that. It's, it's realistic. Right. And it's going to happen at some point. Uh, My parents never did that with me, but yeah. I'd be down to try it out. Sure. Think about how shocked you are your first paycheck. Um, I like I one of one of the people I work with right now, and I kind of helped mentor him a little bit. He got his first paycheck, his first like adult job. He's like, "Can you help me understand what, why I paid so much in taxes?" I was like, "All right, cool. Pull up, pull up your paycheck. We'll go through it." But I was yeah. like, "Man, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that's life. <laughs> it's just the way it is." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. It's uh, you know you can do it with other stuff too, like ice cream. I've seen it online where it's, you know, you've got the dad tax 
and the dad brings in a bowl of ice cream for the kids and he takes a couple bites and then hands it to them. That's hilarious. <laughs> I like that. And it ensures yeah. that you're, you know, you're getting your sweet tooth fixed right there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so I guess, so if we're thinking about ways to inst- instill it in the youth, but I think there are many people who are like, I didn't get this education growing up. And yeah. there are people who are, you know, maybe 18 to 24, which is a super impressionable age as you yeah. hit adulthood, but they're like, it's too late. It's, uh, you know, maybe almost like a bit of like a, the lost cause mentality where they're like, I, it's too late for me. Um, wh- what do you say to those people? Cause I think that we just kind of decided that anything before 18, you're kind of limited in how much you can teach, but if sure. you get to 18 to 24, people are already down on themselves. So like, how do we how do we get this out? I mean, besides what we're doing, right? Through Instagram. Through yeah. um, I'm trying to think how we can help avoid or help people avoid that lost cause mentality. That's tough. Cause if, if the, somebody that age is telling me like, I'm, I'm lost, like I, you know, it's too late. I'm like, you're wrong. <laughs> like you're, You are wrong. Like, come on. Um, it, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that goes back to, you know, the education piece like maybe they just don't have enough background knowledge it's it's tough to say I think it kind of depends you'd have to take it on a a case-by-case basis like for myself um you know I kind of had that that mentality where I I was in university I was like I I just got to save as much as I can I can't Mm -hmm. be reckless with my spending is I got to get my school paid for yeah and I wasn't really investing any money at that point like i think i think i had i don't know like two thousand dollars sitting in an rrsp um from when like i turned 18 and i put some in there Mm -hmm. um but like i wasn't contributing regularly it was like medium risk high fee mutual funds so Uh, like it it wasn't really doing anything um and i just kind of left it there and i was like uh I need all the money I can get to make sure I can pay for school. But looking back, I'm sure I could have spared 50 bucks a month to start investing. Right. So I think with the right mentorship and somebody who knows more than you and who's been there, yeah, you can, you can always find some ways to, to improve. That's I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The 50 bucks, right. It doesn't sound like a lot, but to me, yeah. what it does is it shows compounding interest it shows money multiplying and that can get yep. it where it now Absolutely. is like okay the 50 was one thing but now i'm going to try to put in 150 um exactly. i think that like you almost have to trick yourself to like love the investing part of it like seeing your money grow can be addicting um in the way that you can get addicted to accumulating stuff and and trading money sure. for We'll just see like, oh, I have all this stuff. I love it. I'm so happy right now. You can change that to think of like, oh, this little kind of just a money sitting on a screen. (laughs) You're not actually seeing it multiply, but uh, you can get addicted to that feeling too, I feel like. Yeah. And I, you know what, I, I'm sure, you know, you've got this podcast, so we're probably on the same page, but I am addicted to that. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's awesome seeing like dividend payments come in on random days right like i wake up and i look at my phone i got an email it's like you received a dividend like 4 a.m i'm like sweet yeah i don't even care how much it is like five cents 50 bucks whatever right but it's a good feeling and if you're doing the right thing then it will be you know five dollars but then in a couple years it'll be ten dollars um 
I, 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 one thing I really love is money outside of my nine to five. Like whenever I can get anything, right. Like a thousand bucks, a hundred bucks. I'm like, I, that's a big win for me. Like I, I didn't have to rely on an employer to pay me this. I kind of did it through, through some means of my own or, you know, investing it, whatever, whether I have control over it or not, I got that, that money through like not actually having to work, which is, which is always fun. Always a win. Yeah. Um. So I think one other thing we kind of talked about was like that loss cost mentality. That is something that's easy to fall into. It's a trap that mm-hmm. is easy to fall into and, and can become almost comfortable where you're, you know, just making excuses for yourself. But, you know, with the current economy, the way it is, things are kind of crazy. And then, um, you know, just the uncertainty of the world right now, right? Where we don't even know where are we in a recession? Are we not? Right? You can look at the news and see that all the time. Yeah. I think also a difference is that people who look at this as an opportunity to go hard on their finances during the periods of uncertainty will come out ahead in the long run. But that's another one where it's like, how do you, how do we get people to even open up the mindset to where, you know, they know that they can get ahead. They might not see the results for a while, especially when, if you're investing when the stock market's down, you're not seeing that compounding interest. So (laughs) switching the mindset to like just the long-term play of, Go hard on your finances when things are bad or when things are kind of shaky and you'll you'll really reap the rewards is another thing that like another point that I, I just can't stress enough, but I think it's also really hard to because you can't necessarily see it. Absolutely. And I mean, it's that's something that uh, especially, you know, when we're talking about like investing in the market when it's down, yeah, uh, you you can look at history, right, and see how um, the markets recovered after, you know, certain um events i guess you could say yeah. uh you can look at how those those returns kind of occurred but um when it's happening now it's it's different right so people are like well what if it doesn't recover this time right and there isn't really a way to know 100% for sure but um the thing i always think about is especially if you're investing in like a like an etf or an index fund right is yeah. like well if this tanks like we've got bigger issues anyways right so it'll be the least of your worries at that point um but even with uh you know the market going down recently yeah. uh, within the past, i don't know year or so we had that rally during covid 2020 yeah. 2021 and then 2022 the market kind of you know yeah. tanked a bit. humbling um, experience <laughs> it, it was but you know what i was like this is great i am going to take this opportunity to to experiment and, and take the advice that other people have been telling me, which is buy more income, buy more investments when the prices are lower. So I've been doing it the whole time. Um, I've been making my regular, you know, investment contributions plus any extra that I can get away with. And, you know, as we've seen, I think in January, the S and P 500 yeah. was up about seven. Good, good start to the year for sure. Something, Yeah. And, and in that month I saw my holdings like, shoot up and i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah it does work it it happens so i think it's almost like you just need to see it once with yourself to really yeah. kind of begin to believe that that it can happen for you too that's fair i i appreciate that and i i think uh i think we did kind of see that in covid that was like i mean we're about the same age here we're both turning yeah. 30 this year this is the yeah. first time in our adult lives covid and then now 
that the market hasn't just been basically like a straight shot up because yeah. 2008 or so we were kids again, right? Like not yeah. even really knowing what's going on. Uh, and so it's been, it's been almost straight up from there. So now yeah. it's like, okay, put your money where your mouth is. We've been saying, oh, you got to invest when times are good, invest when times are bad. Now it's our chance to actually do it. And I think, yeah. uh, I think this is, I, it's an important time to even just, again, be louder, um, you know, share those results. If you're, if you're seeing success and hopefully again, get people to believe that it will be okay in the long run. It'll, it'll play out again. Hopefully we can't guarantee that, but it, it always yeah. has passed. <laughs> exactly. And and it goes back to what you were saying about how, um, you know, people, we all have that consumer mentality of, you know, I'm going to buy more stuff yeah, and I'll be happy. Right. So when, when you go into a store, right. And you see that something's on sale, you're like, yeah. sweet. Yeah. I want to buy it now. Right. It's a deal. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't I buy it? So we all think that way when it comes to purchasing services or products, but in the stock market, like for some reason, yeah, people are leery. And I don't even really know, like, I don't really know why I, because we buy products and yeah, basically like there's not much value left right like nobody wants to really buy my used clothes uh -huh. right that i bought from the store so why am i so willing to just drop money on clothing but i'm not willing to yeah you know, buy good investments when they're when they're undervalued right so something it's, interesting to consider for sure it's a it's a good point right like they, they say the stock market's the only place that people go away when yeah. when things so run away from a yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I am curious, I guess it's because like you buy something at the store on sale, you, you spent the money, but technically you have something in your hand still. Sure. Um, yeah. Maybe, right. This is just my, me brainstorming, but like, again, the stock market, you could potentially see a thousand dollars go down to $800. And then you're like, I, I don't have as much and it's not even sure. in your hand to see like, Oh, I still have the $800. So I don't know, but I I'm with you there where it's, it's just a mindset adaptation that yeah. just has to be drilled home and you maybe you just have to hear it enough times from people hear it from people older than you like people older than us that have been doing this for years maybe um yeah. you know if, if it works for warren buffett right like i think Absolutely. uh we're, we're able to blindly trust him but you know not not everybody is so trusting of uh, we'll say stock market uh experts so to sure. speak they're yeah. like oh they're playing a bigger game this is it's an excuse but that game can kind of be played on a smaller scale too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. One other thing I want to add is um, I also find too, like, especially when you're getting in, when you're talking about these things, maybe with friends and family, Yeah. I find that people who like aren't in maybe like aren't really investors or, you know, if you're looking into maybe, whether it's like the stock market or real estate, people who aren't really, you know, investors, yeah, like, like are I feel like the ones who like talk more and they're more willing to give their their two cents, right? You're like, oh, I'm looking at maybe getting an investment property, and people are like, ooh, like that's risky, like that bad things could happen, you know, like there's yeah. all these things that could go wrong, and it's like, oh, like what was your experience? Well, I've never done it, but you know, I've yes. I've heard. Right. Yeah. But when you talk to other people who do it, they're like, I would, I just want to buy more. I just want to keep going. Right. They like start and they never look back. So I don't know. It's That's amazing. Right there. The the naysayers 
are louder, but again, it's more yeah. just like fear from like, yeah, like, oh, okay, I'll, I won't buy the investment property. What would you do with that money? Like, oh, I don't know. I don't, they yeah. don't have thoughts on what to do with the money. They just know that what you're doing is uh, quote unquote risky. Sure, exactly. Yeah, I, I, mean, that's I, the I thing. Can, go, ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you, you got it. You got it. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think real estate is another one where people do that a lot, where the stock market is one thing. People have a little more trust towards it maybe than, but real estate, it's like, one, there's so many different ways to invest in real estate, uh, whether it's just buying your own home, house hacking, buying you know a, a, a property with like five or six other people. It all looks different, but it's riskier, but but the, the game is a little different than the stock market. So then people can be louder about the risks and such. So I don't know. Real estate is definitely somewhere where people are like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I lost it all. Or I, you know, you could have lost it all in the past. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, and that's where I think like what we've been saying this whole time, whether it's real estate, stock market, et cetera, it's finding a mentor or mentors, people who are in what you're looking to do, who've been there, they have experience. Those are the people ultimately that you want to get advice from because they know what they're talking about. Absolutely. I agree completely there. So speaking of like mentors, um, speaking of inspiration, did you have a mentor, anybody that specifically stood out to you or was it maybe more just gathering inspiration through multiple sources and the resources out there? Like what was, what was your experience with that? Um, uh, when it comes to, I guess like real estate, like, um, uh, my, my parents, so my mom and, uh, stepdad, mm -hmm. uh, did a lot of, um, like real estate investing okay. actually in the city that, that I live in now. So there, they kind of went through, uh, a period where they were, they were trying to buy up some, some properties and, and rent cool. them out. Um, so they, they had some experience with that. So I, I, I did talk to them a little bit about it when I was thinking, um, I'm doing it myself. And, uh, my dad, like he's, he's been in all sorts of other investments. Um, uh, my uncle, uh, you know, they kind of, I would get a little bit from some of my family members. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then like where I live, uh, there's, um, there's like social media groups on, you know, Facebook and stuff for you know, yeah. real estate investors in, London, Ontario. So mm -hmm. I, I would join those groups. I would read about what people uh, post, um, read, you know, quite uh, answers to questions that people would have. I went out to a couple networking events just to talk to people who were in the game yeah. and, and try to, you know, sponge up as much as I could from them. Yeah. And then, uh, and then social media I actually found was, was great. Like doing any sorts of research on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, mm -hmm. Instagram, uh, all over the place for that. Um, so a lot of it, I would say for me was kind of my own personal research, um, trying to learn as much as I could about like, what I wanted to do specifically. So for me, yeah. that was like house hacking Okay, um, was kind of my focus for, for real estate. And then, you know, general stock market investing, I feel like, especially like if you're just doing like index funds, it's yeah. a little more accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, and all you need is like a bank account and a phone and it's pretty easy to do. Right. So yeah. that wasn't quite as much work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I used a bunch of different resources for sure. Gotcha. I I'm with you there. I, I love social media, right. Even just yeah. meeting other people like you through social media that are 
we're creating our own niche community, right? Like, so, sure. so I don't have to go talk the ear off of people in real life all the time. You know, you can, you can yeah, find exactly. people that are happy to talk, sit and talk about it for an hour all the, all the time. Yeah. Um, but so tell me your experience of house hacking that I don't think I realized that you were, you were also house hacking. Uh, yeah. So, um, my wife and I bought our first house, about a semi-detached home, uh, in 20, like 18, I think Okay, uh, that was our first place. We, we stayed with my parents for a year prior to that, just to save up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we bought that, um, 5% down, like the bare minimum that we could just to yeah. get into the market, live there for a couple of years. And while we were living there, um, I did have a friend of mine, he, he, mm-hmm. um, wanted, he was asking, he's like, Hey, would you mind if I like rented a room from you guys and live with you? Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that I was trying to do. Right. When we bought the house, but uh, he needed a place to stay, and I was happy to, you know, cut him a good deal. Right. Because he's one of my buddies, and um, so we started with that, and then him and his girlfriend bought their own place, and they moved out. Uh, and then while we were at that house, I was always interested in in doing some more real estate investing and maybe trying to get a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, but me personally, I was like. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was ready to commit to maybe the work that would come with yeah. having like a a separate property because I'm, right. I'm kind of handy, but I'm not like amazing. Yeah. Um, so knowing my own risk, uh, like comfort levels, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want that, but um, buying like a multifamily unit mm-hmm. where I could live in it and then rent out a piece. Yeah. Uh, felt more comfortable to me. So we were just kind of looking casually. I came across one and I was like, Oh, this is actually pretty nice. Like it was a bit of an upgrade from what we had. Yeah. It was detached. It had a nice big yard. Okay. Um, so we put in an offer with a few conditions. We were like, ah, you know, if we don't meet the conditions, then we can just back out and yep. it's no skin off our backs. And the offer was accepted. We were like, Ooh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess we're doing it. Game so <laughs> yeah, so we we ran the numbers and um, you know, it was a house that we could afford just ourselves anyways. Yeah. We've been established for a few years. So um that was kind of the main thing was could I carry this mortgage just on our own? Yeah. Because That's then huge. then there's no stress of trying to like get people in like right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Right. So I could take my time and find, you know, who I really wanted to to live there um in the other unit so that's so been our doing that now is that is that where you're currently yeah what you're currently doing yeah yeah so we've been we've been house hacking um with our multifamily since 2020 okay um and uh we've had like two uh different tenants so okay somebody was was there for about a year and they you know they bought a house and yeah went on their way so now we've got another uh, a couple and super nice people. Yeah. Um, you know, hung out with them a couple of times. It's great. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's the, uh, the way of life a little bit, right? You lived at home with your parents, saved up some money, bought a house, had a buddy come, lived with yeah. you, saved up some money, bought a house, have some time. And so it's like, I think landlords can get a huge, a really bad rep reputation sometimes. And I hate that because like, for me, I'm looking at it the same way you are. It's like, I'm I'm not getting rich off of renting the second unit out to anybody, but I am getting, it's helping me pay my down, my mortgage down. And if they're getting a good enough deal, then hopefully you're setting them up. Yeah. 
you know, to make that next step. It's, it's almost again, like putting your money where your mouth is, right? Like we talk about wanting to help people financially, but I'm not, we're not getting rich off someone else's backs, which I think can be a negative thought towards landlords in like this current age where the, sure. uh, the, the housing market is so tight and, and aggressive. Yeah. Too. Absolutely. Do, do you house hack as well? Yeah. So I, I bought a, a guest a house with a guest property, uh, oh, cool. like a guest, a little two bedroom, one bathroom. That's like 500 square feet. And then okay. I'm Airbnb that out right now. So that's pretty oh, right good. On. Like, yeah, like I have cleaners coming in an hour to come clean, turn that over. And then new guests checking in this afternoon. So it's, uh, cool. it's been interesting. I, I'm making a little more off the Airbnb, but like still able to get tenants wise. Like I'm in the suburbs. It's not like I'm in like the city. So I think it right. attracts tenants who are like, yeah, like we, we just want to stay in a suburb. Like we don't want to party. They're not like partying there and they're not necessarily coming to uh, like just have a great weekend. A lot of the time they're coming to visit family or something like that. So it's, okay. uh, it's nice. It's been really respectful. And so, so far of all the tenants I've had in there, which is kind of one of the one downside of Airbnbs. Whereas like, you're like, oh yeah, we have the couple, we've hung out with them. Like you're able to screen tenants and, and vet them a little bit more when it's a long-term um, cause you're like, yeah, they'll be there for a year. So let's make sure that they're, <laughs> they're not crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whereas for a weekend, you might get crazies. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that's something that interests me too is, is Airbnb. So yeah. that's super cool that you do it. The market has been interesting. It's like a down season right now, but because I've been able to get some long-term tenants in there, like I had a dude who was just between, uh, between leases and for 37 oh. days, he came and stayed here and that was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now these people are coming to like be close to their family while they, uh, go through pregnancy or like the, their kids or in-laws or whatever are, okay. are pregnant. So they're just kind of trying to be close and offer a helping hand again, really, really easy, no fuss types of people so far. So it's been, yeah. it's been good, but I know, I mean, you spend enough time online, you see a lot of horror stories of people, one hating Airbnb and then two, because of all the fees, the cleaning and all that. And then also two, just some horror stories of like tenants coming in and like partying and, and tearing up places. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's another one of those things where it's like taking the risk is taking the stuff, risk right? has been okay for me. Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Uh, you offer a few resources for people to go and check out, right? Um, I, we talked yep. a lot about just it's beating a dead horse, but the simple things, doing the right thing. I think everybody yep. in personal finance will agree. Like you said, tracking, knowing what comes in, what goes out, budgeting, is maybe like step one, if not step two or three. Um, you offer some resources to help uh, to help do that. So, I mean, tell us tell us a little more. Tell people where they can potentially find some of those budget tracking uh, items that you have. Sure. Yeah. So I um, I kind of have like my my main link on my Instagram page. So if you go to the the link in my bio there, uh, it'll take you to a landing page where I, I offer a few other things. So. Um, I have like an Etsy page where I've, uh, I've put up some of my digital, um, like budget templates. So I've made four different ones that kind of follow different budgeting styles. Nice. So if you are like a cash envelope person, I've got okay. one for that. Um, I've got just like a simple, like pay yourself first budget. So basically you just decide how much you want to put into savings and investments. Mm -hmm. You make sure that that's done and it kind of tracks leftovers. So that's yeah. like a really good one to do if you're uh, starting out. I've got a 50, 20, 30 and uh, a zero based budget. So they're all digital. You can edit them, uh, make as many copies as you want. Um, I do also have like a, a course that I've, uh, I've launched about personal finance. So okay. um, if, 
more so like if you're a beginner, you're kind of starting out, you're not sure exactly what to do. You want to build a good foundation. Um, I have an online course that you can, uh, you can do. And it, I crammed so much uh, stuff into there. So nice. a lot of the things that we kind of touched on here, I delve into more detail there. Uh, and then lastly, I do, I do money coaching. So if you Boom. want some one-on-one -on -one support, um, I think so sounds like you offer a similar service, right? Yeah. I don't really market it. It's more just like one or two people that I've like found and, or have found sure. me and, and we just kind of work one-on-one, -on -one. Yeah. but I, I might roll it out to a bigger audience, but for me right now, it's like, that's not super scalable. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I want to get good. It takes systems a lot of time, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I want to get good systems in place before I'm like asking people for money to, to kind of show them what to do with their money. But I do think that, I do think there's a lot of value to that. Um, Cause sure. again, people don't necessarily have mentors or role models in their life. So being able to find someone and then uh, work with them one-on-one, -on -one, I, I think there's so much value to that. Well, and I think so too, like you, you think about the return on investment for that, right? Like if you, if you were to spend a couple hundred bucks working yeah. with a money coach to help you, you know, uh, maybe find some ways you can save some money that you can put towards paying down debt, uh, put towards savings investments. Yeah. You crunch the numbers on, you know, mm. if they help you save a couple hundred bucks a month and exactly. you're able to apply that for 10, 20, 30 years, like, yeah, I don't see how it's not worth it. Oh yeah. And it's nice. That. It's money. You can literally track the ROI. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I spent a hundred, but I'm saving 200 every month. You've won. Yeah, You've won in instant. the first month. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I, I try to uh, have lots of options to, to help people with whatever kind of, um, support that they're, they're looking for and they're comfortable with. And, awesome. um, yeah. All right. Everybody go check out Mason, at budget teacher on Instagram. And then there might be a dash in there on Twitter. We'll, we'll have to see, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh, all his info will be in the episode, the episode notes. And then if you're on social media, following me at talk cash pod, you should also be following Mason and we'll be posting a couple clips from, from this podcast too. Um, any, any kind of final thoughts, any, any uh, closing words on, on your side? Um, honestly, uh, John, just, uh, I think, Anybody who's listening, um, wherever you're you're at in your your kind of your stages of learning here is uh, don't be afraid to take take some risks, try new things. Um, there's always something that you can improve. There's always something you know you can learn, and and don't be afraid to I don't know to like reach out and and talk to anybody in in, in this community that we have. Right, like yeah, we just kind of started chatting on Instagram. Right. And, mm -hmm. and now we're, we're, we're talking on a podcast here and it's right. awesome. You, I've learned so much from you already. And yeah, I, I wouldn't have known if I, you know, wasn't looking right. And on yeah. in this. Community, so awesome. Yeah. I think, I think being humble, like not, no one that's running a personal finance account is like a mean person. Although some of my messages, who knows, maybe, maybe I have a little mean, mean side to me, but like for the, the most part, factor. For the most part, we want to help you, right? Like that's yeah. how we're doing this. We're not we're not getting rich off this yet. So like literally right now, the joy is in just seeing people make the right steps. Um, and I think um, I think admitting what you don't know and then yeah. and then reaching out, you're it's it's most likely going to work out okay, right? And we're not the Grant Cardones over here, right? So we're not charging two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for a course either, where 
that is a yeah. bigger pill to swallow. And you do feel like you need to see ROI like right away there. Uh, it's, you know, people, people are trying to help people, um, sure. which sometimes I think can get lost in the grand world of personal finance. Um, sure. when there are so many like big shots and it's like, well, they, they're, they're big shots. Cause they've been doing this for like 20, 30 years at an extremely high level. Um, whereas we just want to help people get better one day at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. I, uh, I, Hey, I appreciate you joining Mason and, um, and everybody go, go check him out at his page and go check out some of those budgeting templates. I remember when you posted one, I was like, you better be charging for this. Like they were good, so. but, um, <laughs> the zero real quick, actually, sorry, the zero, zero base budget. What, what is that? I haven't heard that. Term uh, before. Yeah. So zero based budget is, um, it's a budget style. It's kind of like the most, I would say, I don't know, like complex it's not really complex but it's the most like detailed so essentially you're tracking like every dollar and cent towards all all, whatever like kind of budgeting categories you have and um you're you're using it to see if you have any like uh money left over in certain areas at the end of the month so that you can kind of take all those leftovers and put them towards something like debt or or investing or, or savings and stuff like that. So it's definitely the most, like the most work I would say, yeah. um, especially starting out, but you'll, if you use it properly, you'll probably yield the highest kind of okay. uh, ROI results. So it's not, I wouldn't recommend it for beginners, yeah. but if you, if you've been budgeting regularly and you want to kind of zero in on okay. your, your spending, uh, it's a great, great tool to use for sure. All right. I love it. Yeah. Everybody go check that out. Um, I, I'm going to go check that one out because I, I I feel like budgeting is something that can always be improved upon. And um, it's also something that people don't talk about, but it should be always be updating anyway. Um, Absolutely. You know, ha- throughout the year and as as life things change. So, Yeah. Cool. John, thanks so much for having me. It was a great time. And uh, if you ever want to chat again about anything else, you, you know where to find me. <laughs> Fantastic, man. Mason, thanks for hopping on. Okay. See you, John.